So before we begin, I just want to say thank you all so much for subscribing and supporting the podcast. And without any further ado, welcome to another episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu. I started this podcast because I wanted to bring a different perspective on the various career paths so many of us take. Today I have with me, my brother, my friend, Serge Hembaza. After working a few years in corporate America post-graduation, Serge decided he wanted to chart his own path and as such created Populous, a consulting agency empowering their clients through a smart data-enabled applications. So my friends, sit back, tune in, and listen because this is the Voices of Black Folk podcast. Welcome to another episode of Voices of Black Folk. Yo, I am so excited about this episode. We have today my brother, my mans, just a trailblazer in the uh, different things he does. And so without further ado, uh, Mr. Uh, Serge, please introduce yourself and tell, uh, tell, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are and, you know, w- what you do. Yeah, um... Uh, that intro is that's a lot of hype that's a lot of (laughs) hype um no but my name is uh serge uh i'm actually uh i'm will's uh frat brother um hey good brothers hi that's real um also uh you know a business owner um so run an it company run an it and software development company um as well as uh, a film producer so we just uh finished up a film project um in 2020 and now it's going through 2021 through festivals so uh storyteller uh producer innovator technologist i like to i like to make things and i like Mm. to make things with great teams so that's that's really that's really me in a nutshell meaningful Mm. work and meaningful relationships Mm. yo that's mad interesting so um so earlier today i actually gave um i was part of um this group of working professionals, um, speaking to a group of um, middle and high school students. Well, no, I think they were more so middle school students, so yeah, fifth through eighth grade. And the one thing that I kept, I started every conversation with is the most damaging thing you can tell a child is, um, what do you want to be when you grow up, Mm -hmm. right? Because most people don't realize that notion automatically pigeonholes somebody into saying oh i want to be a lawyer or i want to be a doctor or i want to be a nurse i want to be this the question we really should be asking is what do you want to change in the world or what mm-hmm. issues or challenges do you see that you want to change and in thinking about this interview today like you kept on popping up right like i mean i'm just looking at your uh linkedin bio now like you've done everything from financial analyst work to um you were assistant district um director of alpha phi alpha at one point you've worked at mtv duke university microsoft and even owning your own company so tell us a little bit let's let's start back right like um and you know this this question is so pointed because you and i are both uh you know from 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 the continent and there's this notion that you know i don't know if you heard this growing up but i definitely heard this growing up doctor lawyer engineer (laughs) doctor lawyer engineer or waste of time right right. so like you've taken the path less traveled yeah tell us about you know that start with coming to duke university and how that really helped traverse your uh career path yeah, so I mean, I'm. I'll start by saying, like, um, for all practical purpose, I probably believe that, like, coming in, mm. like, um, if you add like banking into that or like <laughs> investment banking, I was like, that was 
kind of going to be the bag uh, trying to go to uh, the finance or, or if not that law school. Um, but what was really interesting actually was like during my time at Duke, I probably, those times when I was probably the most unhappy I'd ever been. Mm. Um, and that was mainly tied in like, obviously I had, the, I had the, the opportunity to like really think through why is this period of my life um, a small period? It wasn't the entire time. I loved my time at Duke. It was mm-hmm. a period of time where I was just living so inauthentically mm. um, and that like it, it literally was, um, was just sucking all the life out of me. Like mm. I'm normally a high energy, a high creative. That's my, that's my flow state. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I found myself, whenever I find myself pretending, whenever I find myself doing anything that I don't truly believe in, mm-hmm. um, I immediately find myself in that space. So it's, it's in some ways that, that is a little bit of, 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 of luck mm. and, and just being fortunate and being kind of in tune to what I'm really about. Okay. Um, and part of that is just the benefit of like, even early on throughout school, like that middle school, I still tried a lot of things. So it's mm-hmm. like, I kind of know what things I like, what things, um, what things hit. So just like having tasted and tried a lot of things means that when you find the things that you really like, um, you're able to dig into those. Mm. Um, really deeply. So going through Duke, you know, it just wasn't for me. Like I, after I graduated, I went to Microsoft, which was like top, top. I was like, all right, cool. This is like, this is what you're supposed to do. You know, you go to big company, you're going to mm-hmm. ride it out. You're going to uh, try to try, uh, try to ascend. You're going to try to do it. But I found myself like reminiscing and feeling the same way that I felt at the time when I was living in authentically mm. um, in college. And that was an immediate trigger. I was mm. like, if I feel that I have to take action. So that's when, you know, kind of open it up. But um, so talk, talk a little bit about that um, authenticity, right? Because I think oftentimes we are in a space where, and it's funny, I was having a conversation with um, uh, one of my best friends, little brothers the other day, and he, he was telling me that, you know, in college, I was doing things not necessarily because I enjoyed doing them, I did them because they made it seem like I was working towards something. Right. Right. And I think so often us, and when I say us, I mean, black men, we are put in positions where, you know, like you're going to Duke university, right? That is, um, you know, some regard as the uh, Harvard of the South, one of the top institutions in the country and arguably the world, like there's certain expectations of who you're supposed to be. And then couple that with, the fact that you're a black man on a campus that was built by people that look like you and not being paid for that. Right. You know where I'm going with that. And so like, talk a little bit about, you know, wanting to live your truth and wanting to, you know, follow your dreams, but at the same time, still feeling like you had to assimilate this ideology of what the, um, not only the institution, your family, but just what like society wanted from you. Right. Yeah. So I think, I I think you actually hit the nail on the head is that like, that's where it felt like there wasn't any, like, if you, if you listen to all those voices, if you listen to the voice of, of what you believe the the cultural expectation is, Mm -hmm. right. Mm -hmm. The immigrant, what that's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. If you look at um, smart black kid in school narrative and, and you put your identity in that, Mm -hmm. if you, if you live into that, if you live in the, black student in a PWI, if you live into all these other narratives that really mm-hmm. aren't you, that's the key thing. Like these are all, these are all voices, right? This is mm-hmm. all noise mm-hmm. around what your story truly is. And what was 
really powerful for me, right, was because I had to, because I was so uncomfortable in that space. Mm -hmm. I was so uncomfortable trying to live up to all these other narratives mm -hmm. that I found myself like truly, um, truly having to like, like draw my own story. Mm. Like, and, and, and it sounds, it, it's not that abstract, like literally in my mm -hmm. own personal time, like literally saying, okay, this is who you are. Like, I remember I was actually just talking to my dad and when I was 14 or so, I think he had asked me like, who are you? Like mm -hmm. every man, like every man is at, like asks themselves this question mm -hmm. almost every single time they go to sleep. Like this is always a question that a man is asking themselves. And then I would say and any person, but this is the context that we were talking about is just, who are you? Who really, mm. like, as you draw the story of your life, and that's why I love storytelling so much, mm. because there's this, there's literally this process of discovering mm -hmm. who you are, but mm -hmm. that's an active, that's, that you have to, be, it's a full contact sport mm -hmm. to discover who you are in the mm -hmm. context of this world. Mm -hmm. Like, and there's a, there's a bit of it where you can't be afraid of what that of what that identity is asking from you does that make okay. sense like mm -hmm. you can't be afraid that um that your narrative however you choose to frame it um if it starts from like from if it starts in a refugee camp right like that's my narrative it starts in a refugee camp and then you know goes to duke and then but that but if you believe in the hype if you believe mm -hmm. in all the noise around it you'll mm -hmm. lose it mm -hmm. you have to realize that this is through from in my story this is through acts of love mm -hmm. right so the continuous narrative in mine in mine is the love of my parents right the love of my sisters the love of my community mm -hmm. that like helped me move through these spaces and mm -hmm. therefore like my natural narrative is to live into that does that make mm -hmm. sense that so i think sense. it's like drawing that clear line mm -hmm. makes you um makes it super easy super easy to do challenging things super easy to spend a lot of time doing the things that you that you believe in because you mm -hmm. have a conviction yeah right? you, you you've done the work of looking through your own story and defining it irrespective of the noise irrespective okay. of the hype mm -hmm. um and that's for me that's been really powerful and um it's been honestly probably been the, the happiest i've ever been to be mm. honest just like living mm. into it. it's a different level of freedom and joy to to live into that that's 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 beautiful brother and so before before we get to that right because I, I definitely yeah. want to touch on that but you go through duke you graduate you land as uh what some would consider a dream job working for one of the largest fortune 500 tech companies in the world mm -hmm. and you get there and you're going through the motions um sure you probably get paid well but you're going through the motions but it's not making you happy right yeah. And so talk about, and you know, I think oftentimes we are put in positions where we're doing things, not necessarily because they make us happy, but because that's what we've been told that we, we have to do, right? Yep. And so we're like, just going through these motions and saying, even though I hate coming here and I despise this place, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so many of us are so terrified of the ideology of like, going to work for ourselves, starting our, our own whatever, and not being dependent on, well, I know that check coming on the first or the 15th. So yeah. talk to us a little bit about what that experience like was specifically for you. Yeah, so I'm going to start, I'm, I'm actually going to start a little bit different and, and, and going, we're just saying, I don't believe that uh, being a business owner, being an entrepreneur in any space is for everybody. I generally don't believe that. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I think one challenge right now is that it's the hot thing to do, mm-hmm. but like, there's a piece of it where you almost have to be authentic. Like I kind of was building things and trying to work out organizations. And mm-hmm. I've been doing that my like literally really early in my life. Mm-hmm. Like that's actually, if you look all the way in like elementary school, middle school, like those things, those movements have kind of been a part of my own story. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I feel most fulfilled. So it's authentic to me. So what I would say is that um, I wouldn't necessarily even, I'll start by saying that owning your own company, trying to build something there mm-hmm. um, is not necessarily better than or less than any other option. Mm-hmm. Like nine to five, um, a check on the first and the 15th, those things are not, are not mm-hmm. lesser than. I think these, it's, it's all about our choices. So I'll start, start with that framing. Mm-hmm. But then going into specifically like for me, how I, how I made that decision, um, it was actually somewhat, somewhat really easy. Like I almost, I've kind of always known like in the back of my mind that like when this thing, when I have the opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going to, I'm going to start my own business. I've, I've been, I'm passionate about it. I really genuinely love the, the, the strategy, the people aspect of business. And most of all, like, I'll tell you my why, right. Of, of, of why I want to own, why I like owning my own business, why I like serving, um, serving the people that, that I work with is my parents worked the jobs that they had to, mm. right. And, and I, and I have that, and I have that clear memory of like having parents who, you know, have to do these jobs that when they get home, there's not a whole lot left for them. You know what I mean? Mm. Cause, cause it takes so much out of them. So my goal, right. Was to figure out this thing called business, this thing called um, entrepreneurship in such a way that I can create companies that have, that, that have, um, that create a lot of value, but mm-hmm. also put back into their employees mm. that like are really invested in not just building better, um, you know, in my case, better programmers, you know, better project managers, better architects. Like mm-hmm. my goal is to build better fathers, sons, daughters through the experience, right. Of, mm. uh, and mothers through the experience of working in a culture that's like there to invest in you and build you up as a person and make you, um, and, and really treat, treat serving clients, treat serving customers as boot camp for serving the other people around you. So mm. that's kind of like my core core drive. And I like the challenge mm-hmm. of it. Like for mm-hmm. me, that that is that the challenge of business is fascinating, interesting. I think about it in my free time. Like that's what I do on Sundays. Like I I enjoy this, mm-hmm. right? So that's why that's that. I, so when I had the choice, like even working at Microsoft, I knew that there was no way that I was gonna be like you. I knew that for a fact. Mm-hmm. There was no way that I was gonna be completely happy and satisfied staying here. I was going to have, I was going to figure something out. Yeah. Um, and, it, and at that yeah. point, it was just a matter of timing on when mm-hmm. to do it. And I don't think I did it at the perfect time. I think I just, <laughs> I kind of just did it and, uh, and figured it out. So. Mm. Mm. All right. So that brings us to uh populist. Did I, did I, did I pronounce that correctly? That's right. Yeah. So what, what, what exactly is populist? Yeah. So populist, I mean, we're a technology, we're te- technology services company. So um, it's IT services, IT managed services, as well as like custom development. Mm. What that practically means is that um, for a lot of businesses, they have challenges with like how to really utilize their, uh, the technology within their business, mm. whether it's building a custom application that makes their lives a little bit easier um, or, you know, really what we t- tend to work with is like Salesforce and CRMs, but like, or really empowering uh, their, their employees and their, and their workforce um, to better utilize these tools. And 
what's unique about our approach. Like if you enter this space, you find a lot of companies that only think about technology. Mm. That's like, it starts and stops with the technology. But I think what's really mm -hmm. different for us is um, we really understand the whole business. We take, we take our time to really understand the whole business, mm -hmm. really understand uh, the context. And on, nine times out of 10, our strategies are like, you know, two to three to five year strategies. Whereas for most consulting companies, they're kind of looking, okay, how quickly can we get in the engagement? How quickly mm. can we get out? Ours is a little bit, is definitely more strategic, much more longer term, but I think also um, we've been able to generate way more value uh, for clients and, and really track uh, that against the ROIs of most of our projects. So that's really the big difference, man, is that like we, 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 we let the business lead the technology, not the other mm. way around. Mm, that's dope that's, yeah. and so i mean this goes without saying 2020 and you know for the great part of 2021 thus far has been one hell of a year right yeah. like with covid with racial injustice with all these different things happen so how does how how has that affected business for you or has that made business harder easier more profitable like how how has the pandemic affected how business works for you so I think um, that's a really good question. Cause I think for one thing to know is that like anything, um, any disruption, like is really an opportunity to rethink how you've approached it. Like there's, mm. there's this window, there's this window, like on, on the, on the opposite side of incredible tragedy, like mm -hmm. on the flip side of that coin is like, okay, now we've basically taken all the, all the, all the dice of the world, shaking them up again and rolled it to see what comes out mm. and that opening for opportunity that opening for thinking differently mm -hmm. um has actually been been uh pretty good for the business because i think what businesses have ultimately done is said okay the old way that we thought about this the old tools the old approach really to the business mm -hmm. has been put into question right mm. covid has changed everything all mm -hmm. the like all of our inputs all of our projections are wrong so when businesses are building from the ground up, right now they're thinking much more longer term, mm. right? Cause you're not just, I mean, if, if, if once you get past that point of survival, now you're like, all right, how do we make sure that if we ever have to go rem uh, remote, if we ever have to continue delivering service, how do we create, how do we ultimately provide the same customer service, the same experience for people, but just do it leveraging technology. So mm -hmm. um, we've been able to support a lot of clients uh, doing that specifically and kind of transitioning um, towards a more technology focused, but also really a more um, efficient and streamlined customer experience, which is that, which has made customers even more happy um, mm. because, you know, I mean, it's, there's a lot of things happening. That's kind of crazy, but um, overall, man, I think COVID in our industry specifically has shifted thinking and made people more open to actually thinking a little bit longer term about how they can set themselves up to be successful. Mm -hmm. That's powerful. And so aside from the business aspect, you're also, yeah. I mean, you, you produce music, you, yeah. um, film. All right. <laughs> well, I, well, it was that one banger that just came out. I was like, okay, I see yeah. what they got going on over here. But one, one thing I, I really want to talk to you about is films, right? Yeah. And so one thing that we've seen lately is a rise of uh, blackness portrayed on the screen. Right. Yep. And this is, I mean, all fast is relatively new, at least to this magnitude. Right. Yep. Like, you know, 
Um, back in the day, you might see maybe one or two black movies come out every now and then. But now, like, you know, companies like Netflix, companies like Amazon are um, have whole categories for specifically back black films. So talk to us yep. a little bit about, you know, filmmaking and one, what got you interested in that? And I don't know if you can share too much about your current film, but I mean, we'll take what we can get. Yeah, no, um, I'll, I'll, I'll take the kind of where I started. So I actually started um, filmmaking my freshman year uh, at Duke. Like mm. we had a freshman film competition um, and I had never, you know, I was a poor kid from, from Elkhart, Indiana that came in from Rwanda. Like I'd never touched a camera, mm -hmm. didn't know anything about this, but what I did like, like, and this was sort of that music background. I've been playing music my whole life. I love storytelling and I always mm. saw music as storytelling. And to be honest, I was a little prideful because I was like, these movie makers have it even easier because mm -hmm. they get to use way more stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Like I just get like notes and they get like lights, they get cameras, they get all this to make. So it was a little bit of a chip on my shoulder. I was like, all mm -hmm. right, I'm, let me jump into this, see if I can do it. Um, but basically it was our whole dorm. Um, it was really dope actually. It was, I want to say that first project, um, I, was, I was directing, writing and producing. And it was like, man, it was so weird. Like I think 12, 15 people in our dorm were mm. all a part of it. Um, mm. And, you know, we stayed up late, scored it. And I loved that process. Like just that process of going from a script, going to, uh, finally into the edit. And then I actually scored the film. You like me and me and this um, um, and, and this other girl in our dorm, we recorded the track, the main track, and we ended up winning. We went, we won best score and we won like people's choice, best picture basically. Mm. Um, so that was like my first foray into it. But at the time I was, ma I was majoring in economics and I majored in economics the whole time. So the way that film kind of worked out for me is every year, basically, um, every, every, sorry, every semester I was taking like a film class or something like that mm. just to stay sharp. Um, mm -hmm. And then finally took a class that kind of really rounded me out, which was, um, there's this dope, uh, dope teacher and also at, at Duke um, who's uh, Amy Unell, and she taught this producing class that really mm. kind of solidified and changed that for me. So, um, yeah, so from a film standpoint, going specifically to like this moment in filmmaking, mm -hmm. what's interesting is like these stories have always been there, right? Like um, Black people have always been telling interesting stories mm. and stories that like aren't, don't fa fall that, follow that like box of tropes mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right and mm -hmm. the only thing is the the powers that be had no interest in it yep. right they mm -hmm. had no interest in those stories or they were always there like if you see most of the stories some of the stories that are coming out now they had been scripts that have been pushed around for you know a few almost a decade it's mm -hmm. like no one really wanted to make them so um i'll say that's that's a testament to the artists that like continue to grind it out mm -hmm. um and wait for their moment. Um, the other part too is also like um, for film specifically, like what we have now is a space where because of everything that's happened, right? Because of like the, the fact that racial injustice is in the forefront, right? Mm -hmm. People are now trying to understand what it means to be black in America. Mm. And that now is pushing, is pushing these films forward. Um, and in some ways, like, what what I believe it's important, well, at least for myself as a filmmaker, is like there's so much more narrative uh, about the black experience than 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 trauma, 
Mm. Like, I think there's a way in which um, I'm, I'm, I'm personally invested, not necessarily to like gloss over the realities, mm -hmm. but I think on the, within the black experience, it's important. Like it's necessary, right. Mm -hmm. To really highlight the, the full breadth of our, of our emotional experience, like the full humanity of, mm -hmm. of being able to, uh, to tell these stories. Cause our, cause in many ways, like, our counterparts do like they can mm -hmm. make a movie about mm -hmm. a flower growing in the middle of nowhere and, 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 and no one's, no one's really checking them. Right. Like they can mm -hmm. make movies that, um, that tell different types of stories and no one's really saying, Oh, that's not necessarily a, a, a white movie. Right. And why do we have to call it a black movie? In many ways, mm -hmm. we're trying to tell human stories from different perspectives. So mm -hmm. I'll start there. Um, now with low key, which is the movie that we did. Um, that was really honestly the approach. Like we took a, we took a, a standard format, which is like the hip hop narrative, mm. right? Somebody trying to do it and kind of try to turn it on its head where this guy's not coming from the streets. Like he's not slinging dope and then trying mm. to, trying to get a deal. This is a white collar guy. Mm -hmm. um, and this white collar guy has a dream, just like every single person that's probably listening to this. You've got a dream. Mm -hmm. You may have a nine to five and you're trying to figure out how do I get my dream in my nine to five. Mm -hmm. And the key insight and the key lesson there is you're not going to move forward without a community and people mm. you just won't. Mm. And that's really the message of the film. It's all about, Hey, you want to move forward. You want to, you want to pursue your dream. Mm -hmm. You've got to serve. You've got to, you've got to build up the community. You've got to be a part of a community. Um, and then that's, that's the only path to success. True success really is like, how many people are with you? Mm -hmm. um, and the nice thing about low key, like from the movie standpoint, it, it, it um, it's authentic, but then also from the production standpoint, it was real. We had 150, over 150 people from Dallas that were a part of that project. And we mm. talk about community. We brought together the film community to, to make, to, to, as we're making the film, live mm -hmm. into the truth of the film itself mm. and create opportunities Um the, the the director and, and and producer as well rock white um really had has this vision of uh through real shot which is a nonprofit of providing film at like tactical onset film experience um for underrepresented people mm -hmm. and that's the only way like you want to make movies get on a set figure out how to do it and that's really what low key was was an opportunity for the community to come together and show what we can do but then ultimately um, create the next round of filmmakers and the nice I mean really the movie itself finishing it that's been dope but like seeing the over five almost 10 projects that have come out from filmmakers who were on that set that are like mm. I can do that mm. that's that's really the testament and the legacy and that's what we're interested as we're thinking about the next project that's what we're interested in building is a community of people who are more empowered to tell their stories because at the very beginning remember I said that story is so important Mm -hmm. There's liberation in being able to tell your truth and your yeah. story. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're hoping to do in the film space. Yo, that's amazing. And so for, you know, everyday Joes like me, where, where, where can we find Loki at? You are not everyday. <laughs> There's nothing everyday about you. Yeah. <laughs> but um, so hey, man, I'm trying to keep myself humble. No, nah, there's no way. This is you're about to defend a dissertation <laughs> soon. Stop it. Um, so. You can find Loki right now. Loki is in the festival circuit, mm -hmm. um, which means that it's going through film festivals right now. So um, I believe there's the um, there's the 
Seattle, there's the um, New Orleans. So all, all those film festivals have it. Mm-hmm. But what, what you'll notice is um, probably later this year, um, into next year, we're going to do a full digital release um, mm. through, uh, through various platforms. So it will be out there into the world. Mm-hmm. Right now, we're going through that festival uh, uh, f- festival circuit. But as soon as it's released, like follow Loki on Instagram, Loki, mm-hmm. Loki the movie, Loki movie um, mm-hmm. on Instagram and Facebook. And as soon as that becomes available on your various streaming devices, you'll know you'll be able to grab it and see it. So. Let me go ahead and follow now. Yeah, don't don't sleep. Go ahead, follow. Listen, listen, ain't ain't no time like the present. You said low key movie. That's it. Hey I'll man, follow. I better follow me back too. Don't be like those uh people that follow. They don't follow back. Nah, um, man, we're, we're real humble. I might be the one to do it right now. There's a few people who watch the account. Let me go right. and follow you back. <laughs> but I guess my uh, thank you for that. My last question yeah. is uh, for those dreamers, for those people that have a passion that doesn't um, necessarily fit the mold or fit the narrative of what the society believes or their family believes that they should be doing. What, what, what is one piece of advice that you would give to them? I'd say know how to properly. I'm going to say it and then explain it, but it's know how to properly contextualize your risk, Mm. even your fear. Mm. What I mean by that is you're probably whoever you are, you're probably afraid of what if you do try mm. of that outcome, right? Mm. You're, you're genuinely afraid of what if I try and I fail and my family says, I told you that ain't going to work. Or my mm-hmm. friends say, I told you that isn't going to work. That's one fear. And that's a, that's a real fear. Mm-hmm. But, I, but I, in some ways there's another fear, which is think about yourself several years down the line. Mm-hmm. Right, 10 years from now, 20, 30, whatever. And the regret of not having tried it. Mm. That's a real fear in of itself. Mm. Right. And knowing how to properly out, like really understand that both of those are real. Mm-hmm. You just may not feel that future fear yet, but if you can really sit there and, 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 and make that fear real, mm. that like, Hey, I've got a chance right now. I've got the opportunity to do a little bit of something right now. Mm-hmm. I'm going to need help. That's the key thing. No matter mm-hmm. what you're doing, you're going to need help. Mm-hmm. But if I can be humble and I, and I can be, and I can work mm-hmm. right towards it, then that fear, um, that fear of, of what, what happens if I do fail, I think is significantly smaller than the regret. Cause you can change that, right? You can fail, try it again, fail, try it again, but mm-hmm. you can't go back. You can never go back and redo it. You mm. can never go back and try to um, try 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 to do it again if you're younger, or try to do it again when you have a little bit more time. Try to do it again. You have a moment. Everything like everything right now. You're literally like this is the game. Mm. There is like you are playing it right now. There is mm-hmm. no rehearsal. You will look back at this time, and you will have to ask yourself. What have I done with it? Mm-hmm. So in some ways, that fear for me is significantly greater. And, and, and I think for most people, if you really sat with it, you'll realize that that fear is significantly greater. Yeah. I can't do nothing about regret. Mm-hmm. Right. I can't do anything, but I can do something about failing quickly to, uh, to do a little bit better and learning. I can fail forward. Mm. Man, when you look back and you can't do anything about it and you're just like, damn, it's gone that's probably the bigger fear. So I would say properly contextualize it. 
like look at both fears they, the, the the fear of doing and the fear of not doing um and realize that the fear of not doing is so much greater mm. and therefore like if nothing else man you got to do it and the second piece too is that um you do not know who else is is honestly counting on you to to step up mm. you don't know who else is listening um you don't know who else is um who's going to be encouraged by you stepping up and it's not it's really not about you mm-hmm. um it's about the opportunity it's about living in community with other people living your truth and serving them by by being really honest about who you are mm-hmm. that gives them the freedom the goal is freedom give other people the freedom to be who they truly are by mm. you living free mm. yo that's powerful and I guess my last and final question is, yo, what's next for Surge? Like, what, when, when you when you look, I don't even want to say five, 10 years from now, when you just, I'm just going to throw the statement out there. When you look on from here, what's next for you, brother? Um, Man, I think there's a, there's definitely another movie. Mm. Um, definitely another movie. I think there's, there's more stories to be told. Um, so I'll be getting with Rock, uh, Joseph, uh, our, our little writing team. Um, and we'll begin together to, to work on some, on another movie. Um, the other part too is, um, is I'm, 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 I'm maybe not there yet, but, uh, mm-hmm. but I want to genuinely like, like my true passion is encouraging people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, um, so, I'll, you know, this is, this is abstract. This is not clear yet, but, um, but I just generally want to find more opportunities to encourage people. Um, and, and take away some of the blinders I think that even I had mm. uh, around what you know the fear of what could be and trying mm. to get more towards the fear of man you don't want that fear of reg- you don't want regret so yeah so let's say another movie and uh and then trying to encourage people and honestly encouraging the team right mm. now we're doing some great work at Populous and um really like my heart and my soul is is pouring out for that team to to really create incredible value and do really, really dope things. So we've got some really awesome things that we're building. So um, that I'm excited about that. Yo, that's amazing, man. First and foremost, you encouraged me today. If if, <laughs> if that holds any weight. Um, it's, but, all, it's all the way, bro. I appreciate <laughs> that. That means a lot. But brother, thank you so much. You know, here at Voices of Black Folk, we aim to not only spotlight Black people doing amazing things, but show the world that we're more than just a definition of what we can and can't do. And so with that being said, you know, thanks for tuning in to another amazing episode of Voices of Black Folk. I'm not going to be humble. I'm excited. This is dope. We're doing this for the culture. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure you hit that uh, like button and five stars. Again, my name is Will Anu. I'm your host and we're out. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation and really took something from it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you subscribe, like, and share this episode. Our goal on this podcast is to highlight and give a voice to the Black community by bringing phenomenal individuals who are creating and charting paths toward greatness. And through your support, we can continue to change lives. Thanks again. And don't miss the next episode of the Voices of Black Folk podcast. I'm your host, Will Anyu.